Welcome to Go RIA. If you're a financial advisor looking to go independent, you have come to the right spot. I'm Chuck Phelan, and with me today is April Rudin from the Rudin Group. And we're going to talk about marketing, and very specifically marketing in the RIA world, perhaps versus the broker-dealer space. Now, before we get into today's talk, I do want to thank our sponsor, LPL Financial. We truly appreciate their commitment and support of Go RIA. Okay, with that said, April, welcome to the show. Thanks, Chuck. Great to see you, and it's a pleasure to be here on my favorite topic, marketing. Oh, and, and my favorite topic, RIA. It's like uh, the Reese's Peanut Butter Cup goes better together, right? Totally. That's us. <laughs> so having said that, and I'm really glad that you've taken some time to be on the show here. I know you you are the marketing guru. So how have you seen marketing in the RIA space, perhaps different, compare and contrast, if you will, to the broker-dealer space? What would you say about that? Well, the main difference is, of course, that for independent RIAs, they are more or less in charge of their own marketing, which can be very good. It's definitely less compliance driven. It's definitely more ability to be creative and a greater ability to be more personalized in terms of your marketing, your outreach and your brand and all of that. On the other hand, though, many people who do go RIA are not sure about marketing. So it that the guidance and the way that you do that needs to be very carefully drawn out. So I always like to say the planners need a plan on that as well. And so I think that really is a fundamental difference. Those are the two big differences there. Mm -hmm. So definitely sort of a good news, bad news, right? I guess the good news is you could do whatever you want. Maybe the bad news is you could do whatever you want. So it's, it's going from, I am so limited. I can't do this. I can't do that. So now you're almost like a kid in a candy store, right? You can do all kinds of stuff. You want to do a podcast, do it. You want to do some live streams, do it. You want to do a blog, do it. But now you have to almost pare it down, right? It gets a bit like drinking from a fire hose. What kind of guidance would you give advisors looking to go RIA as they're now putting together a marketing plan that has less restrictions, but also perhaps maybe some pitfalls they got to watch out for? So great question, Chuck. Well, you know, I always ask, I always say to people, just because you can do it doesn't mean you should do it, right? <laughs> so just like everyone else, RIAs and financial advisors have a lot of different competing priorities for their time. The question would be, just thinking about it like asset allocation, is the time that you're going to put into it worth the return that you might get out of it? So I think it's really important to think about marketing and all the elements of a marketing plan. Sometimes I like to think of it like vegetable soup, right? You're going to put in a bunch of different vegetables, taste it, and then you can correct for that because we have digital now. So you're not as committed to, uh, you know, printed brochures and some of the things that were prevalent for marketing in the old days. The other thing that's really important to keep in mind is that I really think that it's important to seek marketing advice. So just like advisors often rail against do-it-yourself investors, mm -hmm. I'm going to say that I, you know, many advisors should not be do-it-themselves marketers, right? Often I'll tell people, you know, when you're looking at it, right, it might look okay to you, but you really want to look more like a bake shop than a bake sale. You don't want it to be looking homemade <laughs> or like you created it yourself because clients are going to be able to see through that. So you want it to be professional. You want to have all the elements, like I was saying before, all line up so that your message squares. And the best way to do that is to work with someone who does that professionally. I, I love that. What was it? You want to look like a bake shop and not a bake sale. That's, that's a great line. 
Yep. No, so, thank you. So sometimes you'll look at a cupcake, right? And you want it to look perfect, right? Mm -hmm. You don't want it to look a little lopsided or whatever. So, yeah. No, I love that. So again, you have so much flexibility in the RI space and, and that could be a double-edged sword. When these advisors are putting together their marketing plan, right? And again, they, they feel now that they've been unshackled, they could do all these things. Can you share some some stories perhaps? We always like to hear a good war story on some advisors that perhaps thought they were going with a kind of a bake shop, but it, it ended up being more like a bake sale. And obviously you don't have to use names, yeah. but what are some examples of that? So I would say, let's begin right at the top with the firm name. So many times advisors will come to me, they're launching their firm name and they'll tell me the name of the firm and how meaningful this particular name, whatever it is to them, right? Mm. And the problem is that it shouldn't be meaningful to you, it should be meaningful to the people reading your website and engaging with you and those would be your clients. So make sure that the name that you select is one that's easily spelled, easily pronounced, isn't too limited in terms of geography. So those are some of the ways that I see advisors making a mistake just straight at the top off of what am I gonna call my firm? And nothing that says, you know, platinum or anything like that. Those are some of the yeah. other pitfalls that I see advisors make. A little hokey and integrity. I've hokey, seen some people right. use the word integrity and I've always felt, boy, if you've got to put the word integrity in the name of your firm, I don't know about that. A hundred percent. I mean, you shouldn't have to put any words in what you want to do with your copy and your website and all of the ways that you describe yourself is really demonstrate integrity, not say integrity. Mm -hmm. You want to demonstrate like competence or whatever the other keywords or elements are that you want to use to describe yourself. You never want to call it out. You just want to be it or demonstrate it. I think that makes a lot of sense. So let's go back for just a moment on the idea of, of the, the process of executing on a marketing plan, BD, you know, under FINRA oversight versus RIA. And, and let's assume this is your own RIA, right? So if you're your own RIA, and it, you're a small one, you're either the chief compliance officer, right, which essentially you're signing off on yourself, or your chief compliance officer is sitting right next to you, right? So right. give us a little a little bit on the compare and contrast of the, the process to get perhaps an innovative marketing concept through FINRA compliance versus, you know, Mary who's sitting next to you and she's your chief compliance officer. Well, I mean, you know, the problem with broker-dealer, the difference I'll say with broker-dealer is that they're looking out across many different, you know, mm -hmm. firms, right, and many different groups. And so they want people to be in lockstep, right, so that the rules that they're applying for different compliance or their interpretation, let's say, of different compliance rules is going to be the same across many different advisors. I mean, one thing that really is very different today is the idea that people shouldn't be marketing themselves by promising investment returns or probably mm -hmm. even talking about investments. So, you know, given that, it really digs into people and firms having to come up with different ways of differentiating themselves and being more personal in terms of their marketing. So I would say that in both environments, broker-dealer and RIA, you have the opportunity to do it. The question is, how does the broker-dealer view being personal in your marketing or personalized or getting to know you versus an RIA that doesn't have that sort of oversight and can really, I'll say, lean into their personal side. And that to me is really 
where people engage and why people want to do business with you is getting to know you. Yeah. And going back to the whole sort of catering to a large number of people, and it, it, this is not really throwing shade on the BD world, just if you're a large entity, and, and frankly, I would say even if you're a large RIA, the compliance is probably going to feel a lot like a broker dealer or at least another large broker dealer. Because if you need to keep a thousand people compliant, 15,000 people compliant, it, it just by definition is going to limit how many exceptions you can make, right? So here's the, exactly. the, the pigeonhole you have to fit into, and that's that. And to be fair, I think that'd be the same at a very large RIA as well, right? So if they got to keep so many thousands of people in compliance, and the compliance is being done by kind of a lower level person, right? At a, at a 15,000, 10,000 advisor shop, you know, they're following protocols as opposed to exercising judgment, perhaps. And I think that could be the difference between a large firm, which the BDs tend to be larger by and large, but there's certainly some, <laughs> there's no shortage of very large RIAs these days. But if you're in a smaller shop, and this kind of speaks to how you choose the shop that you either affiliate with, or if you choose your own, then it's going to have the culture that you know you want because you built it. I think it's a good idea to find out what is their marketing culture, right? If you're looking to join a firm, and that could be the same for a BD or RIA, what would you say about that? I see it really does play back into brand, Chuck, right? Mm -hmm. So when you're signing up for an RIA or a broker dealer, you're becoming part of a larger brand, right? So you have to sort of sign up, right, for those brand values, that brand message, and how that brand really goes to market. If you're starting something from scratch, again, like I was saying before, you have to start all of that from scratch by yourself. And that can also be just as intimidating, right? Because you've got to figure that all out for yourself. So I think there's, you know, pluses and minuses for both, but that's where I advise to get the guidance of working with someone who's done it before and they're more professional about it. This way you're not going to run into problems. Yeah, I think that makes some sense. Something too worth worth noting perhaps is that even in the RIA space, you can join a firm, but still maintain your own brand, but you could do that in the IBD space too, right? I mean, I know I've been branded okay. a sovereign back when I had a Series 7 and now without the 7, right? So you could do it yeah. either way. Just make sure you understand what that firm's policy is. If they allow you to do a DBA, how much flexibility do you have? I was just, sorry, I was just going to say also with compliance, a lot of that has changed also. There are many different AI programs for compliance now that can read across different pieces of information. So your content that you're putting through. And so the way AI is going to interpret something is going to be different. Let's just say that than mm -hmm. people, individuals who are reading something, whether or not something touches up against a line, whether it's a black word or a, right, a white word, for example, right? All of that is changing for RIAs and for BDs as well as compliance becomes more automated. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that sounds like a whole nother webcast right there is, is using AI for compliance. That definitely would be a good topic. Let's pivot a little bit into PR, right? Which is kissing cousin, right? Of marketing, but it is different. What type of suggestions or, or advice would you give advisors, again, looking to, to go RIA on perhaps what they're now able to do in PR, which maybe they were more limited before? So the process for everyone in terms of making a marketing plan should back up and create specific messages that you want to put out to the market. And those can be differentiators that you have, why you, why the people are different, why your approach is different, you know, what mm -hmm. is why your niche is different, what is it that you're really focused in on? 
And that's where marketing and PR really meet up because you want to make sure that the messages you're putting out in your marketing are the same messages that you're putting out in PR, which is really just media, right? So PR, digital media, social media all fit under your marketing plan. In terms of media, some firms really focus in very tightly on their local market. So media that they are going to outreach to might be local publications that are in their city or in their town. They could be local vertical publications like some real estate or more luxury publications. There could be other like accounting type publications or legal publications that are local. And then, of course, there are more regional publications, national publications, and then global publications. And how successful have these people been in, in your experience? And I know you work with a lot of advisors. Everyone wants to get in the media. Media is a, it's a helpful thing for, for one's practice. What kind of tips can you give these folks that, that now have the ability to do more work in the press? How do they get it now? So again, I mean, my, my first line of, of course of action would be to hire a professional to do it, to make sure that the messages are there that you want in the media. Mm-hmm. Right. And then that you are in the right publication so that those publications are read by the people that you're targeting. So not all media, for example, is good unless you have a marketing plan where you're repeating some of the media that you might have gotten also on your social media or in an email newsletter. Because many times people are not reading right every single publication every day. So they may miss a, a media mention. The other Mm -hmm. thing is a lot of media can be opportunistic, uh, particularly if you're going for your hometown uh, newspaper or something like that. If there's a real estate reporter, you know, it might be opportune in a story to get a quote from an advisor, for example, uh, but they're not going to know about you unless you're talking or cultivating relationships with the local media. So that can be very uh, time consuming, as I was talking about before. So you Mm -hmm. want to make sure that you're getting the return on your investment and the amount of time that you're putting into something like that. All right. Sounds good. And uh, we we have probably a few minutes left here just to kind of maybe wrap things up. People love, you know, lists of three, right? So what are the three best tips you can give to advisors, again, that now see a little bit more flexibility in their, their marketing abilities? What are the three things you would tell them? In terms of marketing, they number one, and I've mentioned this a million times in this podcast, but make sure that your messages are right and clear and as concise as they can be, mm. crisp and different from everyone else's. The second thing is the content that you create should be crisp and differentiated and short and not long, right, from other people and other firms that you may consider to be your competition. And the third piece of what you should do is make sure that once you have great messages and great content, it gets in front of the right people. And Mm. that means social media, digital media, earned media, as we talked about, events are another way to get in front of target clients. But those three things and in that order are the key to success in marketing. All right. Well, that seems like a perfect place to wrap up for today, April. Thanks, Chuck. Great seeing you. And uh, thanks for having me on. It was great seeing you, and we appreciate you taking some time to share these uh, thoughts with our audience. And uh, on LinkedIn. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. All right. Well, real good in April. Thanks again. So uh, on behalf of GoRIA, Fueled by Investment News, I'm Chuck Vela. And you can, of course, see this podcast uh, replayed 
Uh, and you can see our entire library of podcasts and webcasts and articles and live streams, all of which are laser focused to show you what you need to know as you're plotting your course to go RIA. And it can't be any easier to find. Just go to www.goria.com, G-O-R-I-A.com, and you'll see April's uh, episode here as well as lots of uh, lots of other good content. So again, on behalf of Investment News, Go RIA, I'm Chuck Bailup, and uh, we'll be back in a couple of weeks with some more content for you. Thanks for joining us. Take care.